content presented on the following podcast is for information purposes only. The views and opinion expressed from host and caregivers are solely given based on the experiences of the individuals involved. Because each person is so unique, always consult your physician, physical or occupational therapist, or medical and fitness advice. Are you struggling to help your aging parents or disabled spouse to do everyday personal care tasks? Are you concerned about them falling or you injuring yourself? What is the task that is so difficult for you to help them to do? You are not alone. We can help. Finding a Foothold is a weekly podcast show that invites you to call in and tell us your challenge. Here, you can receive practical tips and strategies from an occupational therapist. And here is your host, Consuela Marshall. Well, y'all, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Finding a Foothold. And I am Consuela. So pleased to have a guest here today. And this is Roz. Hi, Roz. Hi, darling. How are you? Thanks for joining in today. And I just want to like just share with the viewing audience that I've sort of had my eye on this girl for a little bit. I didn't see her initially. Look, I'm, I'm all new to this whole Instagram scene, uh, since the beginning of April and really learning a lot and loving this caregiving community. Uh, and I feel like I have been embraced by, um, many of you all. And I'm really feeling my connection with this whole community because I do believe there are some Good. wonderful caregivers out there and professionals that are really willing to help one another there. You know, I believe in my heart that if there is a caregiver listening now and you want to make your scene, your story improve, there is a way. You wouldn't even have to go far to find someone that can help navigate you to a place where you're feeling a like you got someone's hand around your shoulder and you're not in this by yourself. So in saying all of that, I want you to meet Mrs. Roz because I have my eye on her because I love just that spirit that she embraces and when you listen to her posts and you and you see her little reels, her little, she's got so much of it out there. So Roz, I want you to introduce yourself. I want her to share a little bit about her story, how she founded the business that she currently owns and runs successfully. And I hear that she has a new book out and I definitely want her to spend some time sharing with you about the book, the experience of why she wrote the book and what she hopes that it would mean to this caregiving community. So enough from me, Consuela. And here is Mrs. Roz. Hi, Roz. Hi, you guys. Roz is just Roz. So I'm Roz Jones, the CEO and owner of Jacksonville's Best Caregivers where we provide four levels of specialized service to your loved one, which is sitter, homemaking companion, home health aid, and certified nursing assistant. We try to expand the life of your loved one through the aging process to make sure that they age in place. And the reason why I do this is to help the caregiver to reduce that SOS on their journey, which is being stressed, overwhelmed, and providing safety and security. When you can't do it all, you give us a call. And the reason why I got into caregiving was by accident. Uh, one of the mothers of the church asked me to go with her. And the Black community they have was called the mothers of the church, which is the mm -hmm. elderly women. And so she asked me to go to the hospital with her. Her husband was deceased. Her sister had stage four cancer. 
and wasn't able to go to the hospital. Well, the two-day surgery was to remove a portion of her colon. And so the doctor said, well, we're going to go in it. The surgery should take less than two hours. Well, it went a little longer than two hours, but I didn't think anything of it. But when the doctor comes out, he still has his beanie and mask on. Something is wrong. So the doctor said, we have an emergency. Can you sign this paperwork? I said, I have no authority to sign the paperwork. So I said, whatever the hospital policy is, you'll have to do it. Two days of care turned into two weeks of care, turned into six weeks of rehab. And my life changed from Sunday to Sunday. I was working for a major healthcare company doing very well. And so as I was taking care of this mother of the church, one of the nurses said, oh, you are a great caregiver. And, you know, you should look at, you know, being a sitter or a CNA and a nurse. And I'm like, well, what is a caregiver? I didn't know what a caregiver was. I just knew I was helping somebody, right? So she said, well, why don't you go down here and, and check into it and see if you want to be a sitter. When I checked into the what they were paying an hour, I said, honey, I make, I make more than that just blinking my eyes. It wouldn't even hardly barely minimum wage. But I said, you all are paying minimum wage for us to have someone's life in our hand? Mm -hmm. I went on and got into it. And I got my license, my CNA license, home health aid, phlebotomy, all the necessary things to to be a, a professional caregiver and be taught right. And so... 15 years later, (laughs) (laughs) I'm still in the, I'm still in the caregiving. I I am the CEO, but I do still do physical work, getting ready to transition out of that in the next couple of years. And that's how I came into caregiving. And I came into it understanding the good and the bad. Let me say that from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, a lot of people get into caregiving thinking, oh, I'm going to take care of this person. Yes. And I'm, you know, they have this check and it's going to be wonderful, but they don't realize the expenses and the oh, responsibility yes. and the accountability. Yes. So you have physical, emotional, financial, spiritual, and your own personal care that you have to think of. Yes. You know, as you become a caregiver. Oh, yeah. And so I want I want to stop there in case you want to in case I need or you want to ask a question or no, this this is this is definitely needs to be said, because okay. even as a, a family member saying, oh, I want to take care of mom, I want to take care of grandma. You know, it seems like a simple thing to do, but you fail to believe that you still have to realize you still have your life. And now you're adding into your life a human being that requires attention and that has, you know, that that have, they have things that have to be done timely that can't be put on the back burner. Like, Oh, I'll come feed mom tomorrow. I mean, it's, 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 it's a weaving together of two lives when you assign on to a caregiving role. And I'm glad you said timely because as we get older, there are things that have to be done, as you said, timely. Mm-hmm. Blood pressure may have to be checked at eight o'clock, but you have to be to work at eight o'clock. Yes. Medicine has to be taken at 10, but you're yes. at work at 10. Yes. They have to be fed, but you're at work at during feeding blood pressure and taking medicine. Yes. 
So there are things that you have to look at. So you have to look at what their needs are and what your availability is. So if they have needs and availability, but then there's a gap, then that's when there's, you know, some type of service that needs to be implemented. Either a private duty where you hire a one-on-one person or agency like mine that would come in and say, you know, we can do this five days a week. We can take care of your mom, let's say from eight to noon. And then she can, you know, handle herself from maybe from noon until you get home. If, you know, if she is capable, if she is not capable, then, you know, we have to look at maybe a facility. If she's not able to do this independently and, you know, you don't have to worry about her hurting herself and so on and so forth. But understand when you take on that responsibility, there has to be some type of communication first. What do you need versus what I can provide? And also know, too, you can say no to caregiving. I'd rather for you to say no and put them in a facility. You still can advocate for the person, you know, in going into the nursing home, but then the brunt of the responsibility would have to be on the nursing home, but you still are a caregiver, regardless if they're in your home or in a facility. That's right. And you know, Roswell, I want, I want to back up a little bit. When you're taking on the role of, a, of the caregiver, you know, you have a, a duty and it's to your advantage to do your research, to really find out about that diagnosis. What is it that is going to be expected in the care of that person? Exactly. And then, you know, because there is a big gap between where they need nursing home placement, but in the interim, it is the responsibility of the caregiver who assumes the role to educate themselves on how to provide the care that's going to be best for that individual and what is going to be best for what fits their current life, the caregiver. And I'm glad you said that because there are times when you do the research of the diagnosis, people are living longer. Mm-hmm. It used to be if you were diagnosed with cancer all the time, they, you know, people would die within one to five years. The care wouldn't be that long, but because of technology and the advance of medicine, people are living decades. Your responsibility could be decades, yes. not just a few years. And I want people to understand that because, you know, there is a wear and a tear on the body. You could have anywhere from 10 to 15 to 20 years of care. You know, I have a gentleman now who's been taking care of his wife for 15 years. I've been with him for eight of those years. I have another client I've been with for 10 years, a decade, a decade. And I want people to understand that. It's not just, oh, everything is hunky-dory. No. Can you handle handle that mentally? That my mom may need a diaper. That my mom needs to be bathed. That my mom can no longer write a check. Can you handle that? Yes. You know, and as the caregiver, it is very important that early on you set yourself up for success. Yes. 
in providing the proper care by learning about that uh, diagnosis Mm -hmm. uh, and then adding into the services that could benefit the caregiver. And for with Mm -hmm. me as a therapist, therapy is a big proponent of someone maintaining their strength, their flexibility, their balance, their ability to assist in just helping themselves to do the day-to-day task. And if you, from the beginning, know what it what that person can do to help extend their ability to help, that takes the stress off of you, whereas you're not in there right away doing everything because you're getting the skills in there that and the equipment in there that is teaching you and teaching that individual how to sustain their life at a higher level of care for a longer period of time. You know, but the key is knowing nothing stays the same. Things move sometimes slowly, like you just mentioned, and it stalls for years. And you've got, you know, you've got to guard against wanting to do it all because if it's stalling over a period of years, they may outlast you because of the level of care that is going to be provided. So a big thing is to keep the stress down and the frustration down is always adjusting that caregiving role as the tide changes. Yeah, throwing, yeah, throwing out that life jacket yes. and asking for help and having That's a it. plan before That's there's it. a crisis. That is it. Having a plan before the crisis. And the reason why I say that is because COVID has shown us that a lot of us didn't have plans. Mm. COVID has shown a lot of hospitals that a lot of people did not, six out of 10 people don't have advanced directives Mm -hmm. to tell you what to do with me if I can't talk or I can't speak. What are my wishes? Do I want to be on life support? Do I want to be on a feeding tube? Do I want CPR? Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, a lot of times people don't even know what you want. That's right. And, that's right. And, and then you leave this responsibility to someone that now is totally stressed, yes. upset. Yes. And now they're saying, well, I don't know, keep them alive. And that may not be your wish. Hmm. Yes. That may not be your wish. So, number one, when you become a caregiver, research the diagnosis. That's right. Number two, understand whether or not. You want to accept that responsibility. That's it. And knowing that you, you're you not obligated to accept it. You, and you can say no. That's right. You, you know, and if you say no, understand, even though you say no, you still have to advocate and be a caregiver for that person if they go into a facility. Yes. And, you know, saying no doesn't mean you're dropping off off of the surface. You're leaving them to their own vices, you know. It just means you can't shoulder this thing by yourself. Now, let's get together and we got to figure this out. And I'm going to be a support for whatever way you want to take this. But there, you're not abandoning someone if you choose not to abandon your life. That's it. Just saying, I will help you and I'll do all of the other things. But there's got to be some other provisions when it comes to the point that the care cannot be provided in that timely manner that allows me to keep my life and care for you. 
you know, I'm not saying we can't be inconvenienced for our parents. No, we will. We'll, there's a season when we can do it, but it cannot become our life to do it. Not unless the provisions, the planning, the resources have all been factored in to allow you to do that. You know, and, and when and when you have exhausted yes. everything that you can physically do, that's it. That's when it's time it's to time say, to "Hey, we need to, we we need to have." And that conversation needs to be had before someone gets to the point to where they may not be able to cognitively make yes. that decision. That decision needs to be in your advanced directives, in your power of attorney. Whatever. If I get to a place cognitively where I can't make a decision, this person can make a decision for me based on the conversation that we had. Yes. And and know that advanced directives can be changed. Mm-hmm. You know, if you change your mind and, and you know you want Consuela versus Rod for making the decision, that's fine. But I also tell people too, if you don't have anything in place, this is what I'm going to do. And you may not like mm-hmm. what I'm going to do mm-hmm. because you didn't put a plan in place. Yes. I, I, I look at Terry Ch- Shivo here in Florida mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. She was in a, a bad, I think it was a car accident and her husband wanted to let her go, but the parents said no. And she stayed alive for, I think it was another 10 years until the courts decided to pull the plug. Look how long that woman suffered unnecessarily. You know, Ross, Ross, I wish everyone, everyone who's a caregiver would embrace that, that frame of mind that you're coming from, that there's only so much we can do as caregivers. We have done all we can do. Then we have to just throw our hands up and say, I'm happy and I'm content that I've done, I've done all I can do. And now this is the next step. This is what comes next. There's no guilt, no condemnation. Uh, when nursing home placement has to occur, and even if mom is still of the right mind, but just physically not able to take care of herself and may not like the choices that you're making, but as caregivers, we've got to say, you know what? I've done as much as I can do. And I'm at peace with saying this is where you need to be now because now they can take over and now start to provide the care that you need because right now I'm at the end of the rope. There's nothing else that I can do. And I think a lot of caregivers get bogged down in a guilt when they can't see a person to the very end of life. And, and they're failing to see that they're almost being buried with them. They're also, they're being dragged down and they're losing all types of important relationships, their families, their husbands and their children. They're losing valuable relationships, holding on to a promise or some type of a commitment that they've had in their head about, I have not done my best. I have not done all I can do because I haven't seen them to the end. And that's quite unfortunate. And I'm hoping more and more caregivers are enlightened to the fact that when you have done all you can do, that is it. And you do not have to feel that you're the only one who can provide care at those late stages in their life. Yeah. And also, also too, I want people to understand that caregiver guilt is real. 
Yes. But if you have the conversation early, that removes that guilt. Yes, that's it. It 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 really does. And and building yourself a community. And now because of technology and awareness, it's a lot easier to build a community. Yes. Because of technology and awareness, podcasts, magazine articles, Google, YouTube, Clubhouse, Soundwave, Wisdom, all these wonderful things that are out there. It brings more awareness. It helps people in situations like caregiving or rehab or whatever the case may be. Yes. So it it, it empowers caregivers to be better caregivers, but then also to to realize and to say, hey, I can't do it. I can't do it. And it's okay. It's okay. okay. Yes. 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 Because sometimes I say success leaves clues and failure leaves data. It don't take a whole lot of data for you to realize that you may not be able to do it. Yes. Hmm. It don't, it, it, it doesn't, and it's okay. Yeah. I keep saying it's okay because I don't want, I don't want people to, to feel that this is mandatory. That's right. That's right. I'm just talking. Yes. It's just Ross Jones talking. Good points, Ross. Caregiving yes. is a blessing. Yes. And you have to give yourself grace. That's it. You have to give yourself grace. That's it. You cannot do this with a, you know, I got to, got to, got a mentality. If I don't, you know, my mother's going to hate me. No, your mm-hmm. mother's not going to hate you. She'll be okay as soon as the swelling goes down. She'll be all right. After she finished pouting, she'll still love you. <laughs> my mother still loves me after mm-hmm. we have our disagreement. Yes. Soon as the, she's okay. Yeah. Trust me, Mm -hmm. you know, so I want people to understand it's okay to agree to disagree. We don't have to, but my answer is still no. And you know what? You don't have to explain your no. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so true. That is so true. Yes. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Consuela, because I'm hogging up your your, your (laughs) podcast. Go ahead, baby. You're you're making so many points that I, I, I can see we can do a whole podcast on a couple of those points that you made because they are worth saying repeatedly and really breaking it down into little bite pieces where it could be like processed. Yes. But look, Rosalind, I really want you to, before we leave today, just share about your book. Share a little about what's coming up. Yes. So the book is called Lifted. And the the purpose of this book is to lift people mentally into another place to understand preparation as a caregiver mm-hmm. from the beginning to the end, to the grave. And to help people understand that I want to lift you to a legacy, to leave a legacy, not a mess. I don't want you all to be like Aretha Franklin. As of this broadcast, it's been three years since she's been dead and three years that her estate has been in probate. Three years. Prince, the same way. Nipsey Russell, Casey Kasem, Chadwick Bos- Boswick with, with Wakanda. All of these people had opportunities to get wills and didn't. And there's no reason for that. Getting wills is not as expensive as people think. There's, you know, free options out there. There's affordable options. You know, there's a lot of ways where you can put your documentation in place. There's a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways. So the purpose of my book is 
to educate, you know, to impact for your family and to do this in a timely manner so that you can leave a DNA, a print, a legacy for your family. And that's the purpose of Lift It. We want to lift. We want to make it easy for the next generation. We want to break generational curses. Instead of leaving them with bills, why don't we empower our children and grandchildren to be able to go out and, you know, leave them $100,000 where they can invest, buy investment property, become debt free, go to school debt free. Other people do it. Why can't we all do it? Mm-hmm. The purpose of the book. My website is Roz Jones Enterprises and also my IG is Roz Jones Enterprises and my LinkedIn is Rosalind Marshall Jones. So I just wanted to put that out there if anybody wants to get in contact with me. Thank you, Consuela. Yes. Well, wishing you much success on that, Roz. So look, thanks for tuning in with yeah. me today. I'm happy for the time that we've had together. Okay. <laughs> and I want to add to that, that her information will be uh, in the show notes and on the Instagram post related to this podcast. So you can reach out to Roz, find out a little bit more about all the insight that she can give you into caregiving. And we thank you again, Roz, for being here today. And look to the Finding the Foothold community. I want to say again that I really appreciate your support in me as I have stepped out and launched a Finding a Foothold podcast. There is also a Finding a Foothold blog for those of you all who are readers and want to just take a quick five-minute read that goes along. Yes! Yes! Also, so look, thanks again for tuning in to Finding a Foothold. And look, just remember, Finding a Foothold, we care about how you give care. Thanks again, and I will see you again on next week. Take care. Goodbye.